Finally feeling like we're back on a normal schedule. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 324 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I am joined this week by Tony. Hello. Andres. Hello. And English Dow. Hello, welcome. Gentlemen, before we, or after we finish recording tonight, but before I let you all out, remind me that I need to give you uh, your money from January, by the way. Uh, I wouldn't let you forget that. I'm not leaving until I get paid. (laughs) Yeah, we're too. We have that money from January, thanks to our very generous Patreon supporters. Uh, Thank you. is, Is growing. Um, slowly but, but regularly we're, we're still adding new ones occasionally so thank mm. you very much indeed um, for your support you can become one on patreon.com slash hand of pod um, and that will get you if you give us uh, $2 a month it'll get you two hand of pod extras with just me on my own uh, each month and if you uh, become a supporter at the $5 a month level then it will get you more than that it will get you about two a week although $5 patrons didn't get one from me this week because I was very busy on Sunday night and on Monday evening and also because like nothing very much happened over the weekend um, speak for yourself Sam I was football wise I mean it was a very low scoring week as we'll mention in a minute uh, the, the normal schedule that I mentioned by the way is the fact that it is now February so we're kind of this is when we usually would be starting to record again for the year. Um, but of course, we've already been recording for about three or four weeks now, thanks to our patrons. Yes, and this will be normally the uh, summer tournaments schedule, mm. uh, not the Superliga or the First Division tournament, of course. No, exactly. Yeah. Because of the of the uh, Fox and TNT uh, payment, or well, now you have to pay for, to, to watch football and... And, and, and they are paying uh, uh, the rights, yeah. For the rights, that means that they want more football. Yeah, and they have to move it because of the Copa de Superliga and all that. I think it means that they want football in January. Like, even if it's just one round of the yeah. Superliga in January, they want to do it in January so that yeah. people would have to pay a bit more of the subscription. Um, anyway, the round just gone was the 17th round of Superliga action, and the scores were as follows Gimnasia La Plata 3, Tigre 1. Tacheres 3, Banfield 1, San Martín de Tucumán 1, Defensa Justicia 2. And that was about as promising as it got all weekend. All of those were on Friday evening. We thought, great, we're in for a high-scoring weekend. But didn't we tell you last week that Saturday was going to be rubbish? San Lorenzo nil, Independiente nil, Argentinos Juniors nil, Belgrano nil. Both of the away teams in those two games picked up red cards. Uh, Lanús 1, Colón de Santa Fe nil, and Rosario Central nil, Aldo Civi nil. Just say one thing that I never thought I'd say. Thank God for Pepe San, though. Indeed. Yeah, scored the only goal of the day in Thank four God matches. Thank God for Pepe San. Um, on Sunday, Union de Santa Fe, nil. Newell's Old Boys, nil. Boca Juniors, two. Godoy Cruz, nil. Racing, three. Nine man. Huracan, you say nothing one. happened over the weekend, please. Although, that had um, enough action for five games. One of Huracan's red cards there came about ten seconds before the end of the, the game, if I remember correctly, but mm. still nine man. Um, Vélez Southfield, one. River Plate, two. And then on on Monday, um, 
probably. I think the most interesting result, if we're putting in interesting in inverted commas, certainly the most surprising result of the weekend. Patronato, 3, Atletico Tucumán, nil. Atletico Tucumán also had a man sent off. And San Martín de San Juan, 3, Estudiantes, nil. Um, I normally say, where should we start? I, I'm going to sort of direct everybody to please not start with any of the Saturday games this, this week, because we're going to be struggling to say things. Actually, we could start with Saturday, because it won't take very long, will it? I had a lot to say about Central uh, against whoever they were playing. Albacini. That's why. Yeah. It, none of those <laughs> were, were really classics. I mean, San Lorenzo Independiente was a classico, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, it wasn't, like, no. that good. San no. Lorenzo really should have won it. That's about as much as I can it's say. It's kind of two teams that are really kind of below par compared to where they should be, I think, with the amount of quality they have in their teams and obviously just because of their names and, and their history and... Yeah, San Lorenzo basically can't buy a goal. It doesn't help that they have a penalty taker in Nicolas Blandi, who only scores half of it, all his penalties. That was a big stat that came out this weekend. Oh, wow. I think he's taken 10 in the last few years or in his Superliga career and missed five, which isn't great for a conversion rate. But he's also going up against someone like Martin Campagna, who must have one of the best uh, saving rates of penalties. Indeed. I don't I didn't do this research, but I can assume. Mm. Um, yeah, neither That's team. It was kind of a draw that left neither team very happy, I guess, right? No, indeed. We'll go through the standings in a bit. Argentinos versus Belgrano was uh, was actually the, the match out of that, and I think it was at the same time as Lanús Colón, wasn't it? Um, I paid attention more to mm. Argentinos Belgrano because it was a relegation battle, yes. whereas Lanús Colón is just <laughs> two mid-table sides, um, and it was it was nil-nil. <laughs> it was Argentinos versus Belgrano I got exactly what I was expecting I'm not really sure why I bothered watching and then Central versus Aldo Siri which is quite poor so let's move on to the more interesting stuff Defensive Udicia uh, with that 2-1 win over San Martín de Tucumán it's not really an interesting result because it was fully expected that Defensive Udicia would win there um, but it meant that once again they drew level with Racing um, for well not just overnight over two nights this, this time because they played on Friday and Racing didn't play till Sunday um, sorry but this will not, be for the rest of the of the Superliga, this thing of the face of Justicia playing together, uh, sorry, be, uh, before Racing, perhaps winning, and, and Racing having to win to to, to be the lonely leaders. Uh, no, this weekend, Racing are playing first, because oh. Defensive Justicia will play on ah, because Monday. They play on for, uh, because of the fact that Defensive Justicia are playing tonight in yes. the Americana. And then okay. the following week, for some hideous reason, Racing are playing at home against Gore Cruz, on Monday at 9 o'clock in the evening, which is a bit of a kick in the teeth for anyone who actually wants to go to the stadium, because that's like the worst time you can possibly play a game. Well, I was about to say, is it the Copa Libertadores? But it isn't, of course, because we're only in the qualifier stages of that, and Racing are in the, Racing are in the Libertadores this year. Sudamericana. Sud Sudamericana. They oh, play on the yeah. 14th. Sudamericana game next week? They play on the 14th against a week tomorrow. Corinthians. So there you go, that's why you're playing on Monday night the following weekend. And about the schedule, this, the only thing I will say about it, uh, remember the, the the last episode? I I asked you and you said yes because it was it was obvious that the sub uh, and the twenties national team will, will play against Brazil mm. while Superliga was also being played and it will happen when when River Racing is going is being played. Oh, yeah. oh, be well. being played. That's a fine way to split the, the television audience. Uh, back to San Martin de Tucumán against Defensive Justicia. It was a thoroughly deserved win for Defensive. It was one that they had to dig deep for because Nicolás Fernández's winner didn't come until the second minute of stoppage. A little bit fortunate as well with the own goal right, as well. 
Indeed, Would you yes. Say? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, in fact, yeah, you're quite right. Sorry, Oliver Benitez's own goal, which was only, what, 10 minutes before yeah. they found the winner. They're actually 1 0 down for most of it. Um, but, uh, I mean, the stats are, are complete dominance for them. Yeah, it's um, a similar kind of. I guess that they showed the kind of yeah. the character that, that they need if they're going to last in a title in a title race, right? Yeah, San Martin have been a, a funny one this year. They've been kind of outmatched most of the season. I mean, they haven't had results go their way, but they haven't been thrashed apart from in I think a couple of games they've lost by three or four goals. It's always been pretty close, and they also uh, took three points against uh, two of the top three against Racing. Mm-hmm. After coming back from a goal down and a man down. <laughs> and in the Clásico Tucumano against the Atlético Tucumán, they were, I can't remember if they were one goal down, I think they were two goals down and came back to win 3 2 in mm-hmm. Atlético Stadium. So it's a team that were, seems uh, to get motivated for, right, yeah. they seem to get motivated for the big games and they weren't that far away from making it a perfect three against the, against the real title challenges. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a very limited squad. Um, there's something going on as well, I think, with um, Claudio Bieler, who's kind of in inverted commas been their top scorer, because I don't think he's got that many, but two of them came in harassing, and I hate him. Um, yeah, and they just couldn't quite hold out, I think, against defence. Uh, defence is this year's quality, kind of showed out at the end. Um, and we also got the treat of seeing uh, Beka Sisi, uh, pay homage to Maradona with his celebration. Yes. The famous, I'm going to grab the camera and scream at it, uh, 1994 World Cup celebration against Greece. Yeah, Greece mm. yeah. Becker says he's maybe a little bit prettier than Maradona, although Maradona in 94, he was pretty trim. You know, those um, those weightless drugs he was doing uh, took took effect, so... I don't know, who, that, who did it better? This I mainly, is the question. It made me uh, remember, apart from Maradona, Chacho Codet, some celebrations when he was at Central, uh, going to, to the beach or, or going inside the beach to celebrate uh, when the match still hadn't, fin- hadn't finished, uh, which is good because it was a, a, cr- a crucial victory. Yeah, I think him. with Chacho, though, you expect that more. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised to see Chacho celebrate... Uh, a throw-in in that manner, like, he's a very exuberant personality. Indeed. Um, moving on to, let's move on to Chacho's current team, shall we? Um, Racing, yeah, well, who about 48 hours, uh, more or less, after, oh, it was a bit less, wasn't it, because he played in the afternoon. Um, oh, no, 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 it wasn't night, it was in the evening. So, 46 yeah, 46 hours, hours let's say, after... Um, after defending with DCS win. Uh, <laughs> we have to be precise in Anderpod. Had, had to step up. meaningless <laughs> And they had to... Um, didn't really have to dig that deep, actually. I mean, it was 1-1 until, what, about 20 minutes from time. But then I thought that the two goals that Racing ran in up to that point were always coming, let's say, from, from the way that the game had been going. How did you feel, Dan? Yeah, um, uh, I think from the start, I was, was fairly confident Racing would take it. I went to the game. Uh, I should say I, I tried out a different spot in the stadium. I went to the Popular behind the away goal instead of behind the home goal, basically because I was with a couple of friends and it was just easier for them to get out and get to their car um, after the game. And it was a funny one. Racing in the first half, they sort of showed the same weaknesses they had done against Aldo Civi, despite also winning 3 1. It's kind of a disconnection between between defence and midfield, midfield and attack. There's um, a situation in Racing now where 
where Marcelo Diaz seems almost to be playing more as a slightly advanced sweeper than a defensive midfielder, so like kind of turning um, that kind of 4-1-3-2 that Racing have been playing all season into almost a 5-3-2, which has caused a couple of, think, of short circuits in, in the team when they've been going forward and moving the ball. They're still kind of enjoying a lot of the possession, but uh, actually Andres mentioned to me just before we recorded um, some of the Again, it would be inverted commas, and I promise that's going to be the last time I use them because I hate that phrase. Um, analysis that goes on kind of, I don't know if it was Fox or TSA or whatever, uh, saying that Racing's a team that kind of doesn't keep the ball well and just always goes kind of, uh, goes for the jugular, let's say. Yeah, direct and, yes. and sort of aiming to press which high I, and, and score yeah, quickly. Which I kind of took a little bit of exception to, but... Possibly more in the first half, yeah, a lot of um, kind of punting it up to the corners and making the likes of Lisandro and Sunturion run and take on them in individually. They were a little bit fortuitous, fortuitous I think, in the first goal, which was uh, Donati Heda uh, that hit the post and bounced very kindly onto mm. Jonathan Cristado's chest. And they came out into the second half, a different team, pressing a lot higher up the field, looking good. Uh, forced the Huracan keeper, whose name I have <coughs> unfortunately forgotten, Anthony yeah, Silva. Anthony Silva. Anthony Silva. Silva. There we go. The <coughs> Paraguayan, I think, has been uh, all over the place. Like, look, kind of very experienced, very accomplished keeper. He made like four consecutive saves. Huracan uh, nearly then gave away another one by playing the ball out short from the resulting goal kick, and from the resulting resulting goal kick. Went out the other end and scored. Hmm. Um, that sort of shook Racing off their axis a little bit. Took a took a while to get to get back, but again, kind of, it was almost identical to the Aldo Civi game. A very blatant, very kind of stupid handball. Let Lisandro Lopez uh, restore the lead with with a penalty, and then with a few minutes to go, with Huracan uh, already down to ten men. Uh, Racing finally showed what they actually had to do kind of move the ball quickly and fluidly with one touch and it led to another goal from Leo Sigali of all people who mm. popped up in the box to to sentence this two goal lead which gets Racing that, three points clear of the chasing pack that is somehow uh, says the contrary to the analysis I told you because uh, it, is, it was a, a, not a corner kick or free kick in which Sigali mm. headed it but it was a moving play in which he was on an, an, an attack mm. and uh, he, he finished it like he was a striker. Yeah, well, so, I, I, I think that it's a little bit boring when we kind of, we, we come to a place where we have to, to analyze if a, if a team plays well or not. I mean, there's no one, one way to play football. You just pick the, way, the best way for your team no, and, I think and one try of, to... I think one of Racing's great virtues this season and in the first half of 2018 as well is that uh, they can get goals from from all over the place uh, they score goals kind of from collective moves but also very good from set pieces mm-hmm. uh, they even got a few free kicks from corners and pressing the defence yeah pressing the defence you can get the goals like we saw in against Aldo Civi there the goals can really come from from anywhere and, and also you know well, it's, a, it's a virtue being, because sometimes we, it's a virtue, of course. We, we, virtue, we have yeah. teams that 
just try to to yeah. put the ball after a, a, a string of movements and and that's the, the only way that they they think they could they could score instead well, of course the other team so much trouble playing a yeah. I mean you can sit back but they can score from corners or whatever hmm. you can go out and attack them but they can do on the counter I'd say that's what you need you can't it's a team that's that's unpredictable yeah you have to adapt sometimes to the it's yeah. a little bit um, a little bit chaotic sometimes it doesn't come off but definitely in kind of this Superliga that that's uh, that's a positive thing I think just being able to to score a variety of goals yeah more predictable um but still very difficult to beat, albeit I think maybe slightly fortunate to have won by two goals this weekend with Boca Juniors. Yeah. Um, their game against Godoy Cruz was was really even, and in fact it was only going to finish 1-0 until Mauro Sarate uh, made it 2-0 with almost the last kick of the game. Um, and Godoy Cruz could have scored one, but it was flagged for upside. Yeah, we're back to what I mentioned a week or two ago, really, aren't we? About Rory Smith's uh, and my own opinion of the offside rule, which is that it wasn't really made to disallow goals like that. Where, I mean, on the replay, there were loads of people saying, oh, no, Santiago Garcia wasn't offside at all. I thought he was maybe just a little bit off because he was sort of leaning forward. We have to think as well, Santiago Garcia is such a hulking figure that you have to think some part of his body is going to be... And, and yeah, we so have he, yeah. he's always outside in one part of his body. Mm. Okay, uh, we we have the advantage of see the the, the the replay and and you know first the image and everything else in the rush at the moment. You you, you should concede that kind of of, of play. And oh, just absolutely. Let, let it go. I mean, I mean, it's it's not like it's very difficult. Just to to give a reference to something recent and probably that everyone gets to it. The the, the Liverpool goal against West Ham. I mean that that was amazingly offside, and the, 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 the linesman was nowhere near uh, where he should be. But when, when it's a close call, just give it away, and, and unless you have VR and try to fix some mistake, if you if there is a mistake, hmm. uh, just hmm. consider yeah, goal. I mean, as, as we said last week, you know the, the officials have to have to apply the rule. As the rule is written, and I think the problem is is probably with with how the rule is phrased at the moment because it's asking them to make impossible judgment calls. Uh, but anyway, the game itself, when, because there was another uh, one that I um, saw somebody moaning about on Twitter afterwards, which that which was that Benedetto also had something ruled out for offside, and, and nobody mentioned this when when it looked level on my television, and then he tweeted a, a screenshot of his television in which it didn't look at all level. It, it was just a problem with perspective because you know. <laughs> the, the stuff, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I thought it was a it was a fairly good game. Godoy Cruz did enough to make it interesting. Without, apart from that Santiago Garcia goal, which which might have stood on another day, without making it um, sort of Boca weren't quaking in their boots. It wasn't like Godoy Cruz were piling on the pressure and actually creating lots of clear cut chances, but but they could have found a way into it, right? Yeah, but Boca has the problems that. Anyone could predict seeing the starting eleven. I mean, starting a, a centre back as a left back, it was a, a, from the right, uh, from the goal, it was a mistake. I mean, why we should play Junior Alonso? I understand that Fabre is, is injured and Olasa left and whatever you want, but I, I, I will play it. Uh, I know uh, a youngster. It's Godoy Cruz, not. But well, this is Boca Juniors. They don't play youngsters. Do yeah, they? anymore. Yeah, I know. But what, what yeah, Junior Alonso? I don't know. Of the Argentine it's it's so <laughs> send them out on loan or, or sell them. 
Yeah, but it's it's uh, from from the start that was a, a, a huge mistake, and then there is no creativity and at all. They were just bumping the ball, trying to get forward any way they 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 could. Is some of that also down to the fact that uh, Carlos Tevez was the, the main creative, creative force? Yeah, let's say. Yeah, that probably because that's probably he looks crazy. like a spent force, right? And funnily enough, he. he was replaced by Mauro Sarate, who actually got the second goal. And I mean, as soon as Sarate came on, Boca started to look a little bit more fluid. And yeah, it must been the overriding uh, conclusion from watching Boca these first yeah. weeks because I believe Sarate played midweek against San Martín and San Juan, and also like, uh, I watched kind of fits the start of that game because I was actually eating at the time and yeah, had it on and off. But everything good that Boca seemed to to create at the moment comes through yeah. Zarate or oh, Reynoso Reynoso played yeah it was dangerous he's Let's getting there, yeah, way. He's I think I think um, um, oh, I for, because why I forgot Alfaro uh, I still trying to understand um, the, the team uh, in a way I mean and there's some frustrating players like Pavon Pavon is <laughs> so the, much the shadow that he once tried to be for Boca. I, mean, I thought he was rather good though the other day. He, he, it's he frustrating. I'm not saying he's bad or playing actually badly. He's not playing as well as he was 12 months yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he won a place in the World Cup squad and deservedly so. And yeah. And I think part of the, the reasons I it's because I first started trying to figure out some, some stuff about, about the team and about Boca and how to play against some rivals. With, with the players he has. I mean, playing Tevez as a number 10 is a huge mistake. I mean, it doesn't do you any good. Giving, I, I think giving Tevez the number 10 as well, because you know, I think we made the point a couple of weeks ago when Tevez said it, um, when... Um, who had the number 10 shirt before? Cardona. Cardona, Cardona thank you, Adrian Cardona. When, 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 he was, when, he, when he left the club, when he was sold, Tevez said... I've decided I'm going to take the number 10 shirt. <laughs> and I, I said at the time, I was like, I mean, I'm sure that nobody at Boca is going to tell you, no, actually, you can't have it. So I'm sure that we're going to see Carlos Tevez in the number 10 shirt. But it doesn't really feel like his decision, or it doesn't feel like it should be his decision to yeah. make in a healthy football club, which is sort of run along the right lines. Yeah. Um, and then he came out, you know, last week as well, after the first game of the year, or the first league game of the year. And he said, well, Alfaro told us that... He wants me in as a big part of the squad and that I'm central to, to his thinking and central to the group. And again, you're like, yeah, that might very well be true, but don't go out and say that's the television cameras. Can't you see how sort of divisive that, that's being? And it, it's starting to, looking at it from outside as a relatively disinterested observer of Boca Juniors, I, I'm starting to get the impression that they're becoming like a little bit too involved in let, let's do everything Carlos Tevez wants to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and, and I, I, there's something weird that feels with the energy. Like we said, when when Salata goes into the pitch, everything looks different. And even, and I, I don't want to sound weird with this, but when Tevez gives the captaincy to, to Lario Benedetto, he feels more like a leader to this Boca team. It, yeah, it feels it's like they have a, a it's a different kind of definitely. energy yeah. when the team is playing with with Benedetto as a captain, yeah. and I'm saying he's playing better because he has the the, 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 the captain uh, band. And, it's and just different. When, when he said that about well, Guillermo Barros Clotto, yeah. and this noble and that, and 
that of course it's on purpose because I don't think he's yeah, yeah. not there is no, no intention there uh, then he plays bad against Cody Cruz Mauro Sarti is in the, into the match he scores the second goal and camera shows Tevez with not a, big, a very great uh, amusement or he's not celebrating the goal when he should because Boca is winning he's yeah, yeah. a player of, of Boca but he shows with this attitude yeah, it's hard to understand the, the, the role of Tevez in this in this team I mean, at least, at least we can see it's not a well, good role a, he's a club legend he earns a lot of money and they can't get rid of him yeah yeah probably <laughs> Indeed, and, they, and they can't stop playing him either because that even when he in footballistically maybe he doesn't really yeah. deserve it there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be quite cross if they do stop playing him and Alfaro of course but are we talking in the stands or in the director's box both both yeah I think more one than the other and I'll let you decide oh yeah no, well, I, 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 mean, I heard on, right, I think on Sunday there were certain anti Angelisi yeah. chants chants yeah which is interesting in and, and today the president said the actual president of this country said that if if he gets insulted in the bombonera, he's going to kill himself. So I'm, I'm hoping he goes yes. to the to the. To you the know stadium. what you have to do? Get some tickets, funny. <laughs> I'm going to send some tickets wow. to the Casa Rosada. Yeah. <laughs> um, on that note, <laughs> uh, oh, yes, Argentina. That that's that's something that happened. Yes. Um, you want to wear river? Yes, Dan actually was talking a little bit a few minutes ago about Martin Campagna's fine penalty saving record ah, for Independiente. Yes. Um, we saw something very rare in terms of penalty saving on Sunday evening in Liniers because Franco Armani saved a penalty, which apparently he first hasn't penalty. done since he joined River or something, right? Yes. First penalty saved since he's in the goalkeeper for... Has yeah. he had that many against him? Well, yeah. probably not, no. because he's River's goalkeeper rather than yeah. <laughs> a small team no, goalkeeper he, and who actually get decisions awarded against them. Didn't he yeah, save one in the penalty shootout in, against Alain? Yeah, but the, I think no. that doesn't count or something. No, no, okay. Let's like, set the parameters then. When uh, I said the statistics, well, I thought I think, they yeah. must be talking about like during the match. Yeah. I imagine in so. the same way as penalties scored in shootouts don't count yeah. towards a player's goal totals. But yeah. I could well imagine he's had like but, two penalties against him in his entire River career and let him in and also saved two against Alain. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. That was something he, he uh, had self-criticized about the... Well, Yes, I, I saved a lot of plays, but I hadn't saved, hadn't saved penalties. Mm. That was what he had said before, uh, Belles match, in which he said, yes, he saved his first penalty for River. Of course, not very well uh, a crap penalty, shot right? by, by Salinas. Yeah. 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 I remember I saw it, um, I was coming back from Avishanea in my mate's car, and we were watching the game at a traffic light, uh, coming on to Avenida Mitre, just for like... Just through the window, and we're like, and we just turned the corner as it as he was about to take us. Like, ah, shit! Then we're we're listening to the radio as well. Saved. Ah, shit. Well, um, that kind of gives me the the idea that my assessment of of Armani is just a good reflection goalkeeper. I don't I don't want to to get any any fans angry and mm-hmm. not you Andres, but. I, I know. I just, I just think he's a good goal, goal stopper because shot stopper actually. He's just half good reflexes, mm. and uh, that's it. Because he doesn't know how to to, to handle the, the corners mm. and stuff. No, as, as you said, the, the strange thing. Well, yeah. well, I mean, there's a reason he's like as we said with many many players over the years. There's a reason why he's in River and not Juventus or yeah. Bayern Munich. Yeah, or, some, yeah. some, some people ask about yeah. he he may move to Europe and that's it. He's well, but cut it. The strange fact about the not saving penalties by Armani is that not even 
it's not that he he didn't save save them, but that he didn't uh, uh, even throw himself or, or to the right place or to where the ball was going past it was was shot. Uh, no, he had to adjust the same with his feet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, but this time he he did it and. No, but it's part of goalkeeping. I mean, just under thinking the goalkeeping is just with your with your hands. I mean. You just stretch your, your whole but anyway, body. But anyway, how did River play? That's what we want to know. How anyway. did River play? <laughs> it, it was very much a game of two halves because that penalty was basically the only thing that happened in the first half. And in the second, it improved enormously from both teams. Vélez, um, over the 90 minutes, I think Vélez really had the edge and possibly should have won. But River set themselves up really well, made themselves difficult to play through, forced Vélez to be shooting from, from range rather than from really decent positions um, and managed to snatch the lead quite early in the first, in the second half Rafael Santos Borre um, with the pouncing on a Nicolas de la Cruz the first de la Cruz I thought had probably his best yes. game for River not uh, that a very high bar to clear as well as it was the first penalty saved by Armani it was the first ever match well played by de la Cruz at River mm. and very well which of course give, give hope for what is coming because uh, it was a total new version of him. Uh, it was like uh, we all, all all of his teammates, apart from him, were like active, like with a different attitude and different reaction, uh, like they showed against Patronato, for example. Mm-hmm. Even against Jose Cruz, which was the game on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned it in Gahana Podestra on Sunday. Or, or, or you I mentioned... I didn't do the Podesta on Sunday, so okay. no, I just mentioned the score after last week's... Well... Um, after last week's proper episode. Well, uh, uh, so, uh, to continue your commentary, uh, it was, uh, I think, best match since a long time ago, or since the final of Copa Libertadores, in which River showed uh, that attitude that uh, was like, the, uh, like a characteristic of River. It also has to be said that these two matches were the closest thing we've ever come to actually playing yes. a full-strength team. Because yeah. in the yes. three defeats before, it was almost a reserve side. There was a comment that said that River came back to, or was River again, which is oh. perhaps not that, uh, I wouldn't say that, but it was close yesterday like said, to the version of River of last year, hmm. in which they, uh, they yes, were with the moral sense of a team, properly te- proper team, mm-hmm. Uh, blocking Vélez because if you left 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 uh, leave Vélez play, they could be damaged because they are kids but they play well. And, yeah. And yeah, they do. They have so many talented youngsters. It's interesting to see Vélez. But I think that the point that most true football fans should really care about most from this game uh, is that it was the first time that we got to see. We just talked about a, a player at Boca Juniors being given the number ten shirt when he possibly shouldn't really have been given the number ten shirt. Um, but River have also changed the owner of their number 10 shirt over the summer and this was the first outing in that number for a player who is the epitome or the epitome of the number 10 um, in Argentine football Juan Fernando Quintero didn't actually have his best game for River it must be said he did score a penalty to make it 2-0 um, but it, it was it was nice to see him finally get rid of this number eight nonsense whilst clearly being the, the team's laziest and most creative player um, and, and be given the number that's his true spirit number, let's say. Mm. A player so of that, his that, that same country will hold number eight, which is the bad-named 
or bad cold, badly cold Colombian Neymar, it's Carrascal who will hold the number eight. And we should point out he wasn't the worst, the most out of place user of a number eight shirt in Superliga. Go on now. Tigres Martin Galmarini is a right back and uses number eight, and it vexes me terribly. Indeed, yeah. Why? Well, it's a converted. I mean, I'm already pretty angry every time I'm watching Tigre because I'm watching Tigre. It's Tigre. Clearly, yeah. I have nothing better to do. They, 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 so. they, they, they don't see play at number eight. Tigre yeah. don't, don't even pay their, their, their light bill. Yeah. They've also got another really irritating number. They've, I think their mm, centre midfielder wears number two, and I can't remember what he's called a off the top of my head. Yes, Ezequiel Rodriguez. That's the one. Their, yeah, yeah their, their number, number five who wears a number two because yeah. their number five, uh, or, or rather their, what, their number eight, Lucas Menossi, is the one wearing number five. Well, look, and say, so if they're going to treat numbers with that kind of cavalier attitude, they deserve to go down. No, absolutely, yeah. Um, and then Matias Suarez, who has already played against Cody Cruz. He holds yes. number seven, which was, which, which belonged to Mora. Now, of course, retired. Uh, but that's uh, he's kind of a number. He's not maybe quite mobile enough, really. But he's a second striker, sort of. That, yeah. that seems to be the the default number yeah. for second strikers in Argentina. Yes. Tony, would you like to um, elucidate a little? We're not going to talk about him Nasir versus Tigre, of course. But would you like to elucidate a little on what you said about Tigre not paying their light bills? Oh yeah, sure. The, the, the <laughs> Not that this is actually relevant to this weekend. No, no, but, I, 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 but you heard it. That's enough. Um, they had the, an illegal connection, right? They, they had an, an illegal connection. Yeah. The, um, the, in Buenos Aires, in the city of Buenos Aires, there's two uh, electrical. Um, we can say in the greater urban area. Service. Of Aires, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Also, I think it's not in the city. But yeah, it's part that's of the true. Urban that's area. true. When when you divide, uh, there's one for the north. Part and then for the south yes. part, it's, uh, a, it's a monopoly, but it's not actually a monopoly because there are two of them, but they often. don't compete with each other. And so it's a if I remember correctly, one of the main um, investors in the north part mm-hmm. is the owner of Enic, which is the owner of Southern Hotspur, Sean Lewis, which is a ah, friend yes. of yes. Mauricio Macri. Correct. Um, coming back, the the north, uh, the, the north or the sur? The north. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's the north. One or two. The the the, the north one uh, was tweeting about illegal connections in famous uh, outings, like uh, a bakery from a, a famous chef in Argentina, which is Mario Botana. And then they tweeted a picture. Uh, they only said on the on the tweet on the tweet that it's a club. But clearly said on the picture, Club Atletico Tigre and was <laughs> actually bigger than the, anything else. And you saw them cutting the, the connection, the illegal connection on, on, the, on, the, on the stadium, which is kind of funny. Because they, they, even with the bakery, they didn't say Maru Botana's bakery. They said an illegal connection at the bakery. And you, they, they show also the, 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 the big uh, logo. And it was, it was kind of funny. So much for anonymity. Uh, what all of these results do to the standings is then that they mean. Do we not have a special mention for Patronato, the rejuvenated oh, team? Oh, you've got a good point there, actually. Yeah, we okay, so Patronato, as I said, it was a bit of a shock, and it was their second shock in a row because the previous weekend they had beaten River yep. in the Monumental. Um, Perhaps that's not really that much of a shock. So I think I mentioned last week, though, that... Patronato being River has to be a shock. No, no. <laughs> but an Inter-Rios team yeah. playing Patronato, in Primera is a yes. shock enough. What I read after the game was Patronato Wrong, and River sure. have now played each other six times. And of those six games, Patronato have got four wins and River have got two or something like that. Yeah. So it's not really that much of a shock. And yes, it is. I think it was their first win in the Monumental. Yes. Um, so 
the week after beating River 3-1 in the Monumental, they beat Atletico Tucumán 3-0. Um, with, I have to say, it was a match that I missed. Um, yes. Just looking at, in most of the metrics here on the statistics, it actually looks fairly even, apart from shots on target, where Patronato managed 8 to Atletico Tucumán's 3. Um but it's a full strength Atletico took one side there. And Abalos continues to score. Abelos. Hadrick from Abalos. That, yeah. that made the difference. He continues to score goals. Yes, he continues to yeah. score goals. Trick. No, 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 no. One, only one. Was oh, okay, oh, it a hat-trick against River? Yes. Yes. Ah, sorry, I'm getting my... Four, four, games in two, my four goals in two games. While Moro Garcia, who I, thought, I, I mentioned that he was the uh, starting uh, lineup for Godi Cruz mm. and, and Abalos was the, the replacement... Uh, I believe with that he, result, Patronato are now out of the relegation zone. Well, we'll go through that in a second, but carry on, Andres. Yes, that Morgarcia had his goal disallowed, or, well, he was flanked for upside, mm-hmm. and Avalos, who was the the replacement, now scored another and has four, four goals in two games. Mm. So it's crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so happy, because as in someone from the Rios. I'm not happy. I have to find a new team to use as my I'm happy that the, the team from my province is, is in Primera and doing well enough for two weeks. That, that's that's yeah. good enough for my year. Patronato have won four league games this season and two of those have been in the last two matches. Um, to into a little bit more perspective. Surgeon. Racing are top of the league with 42 points. Defensive Odisia second with 39 Boca Juniors are creeping up there. They are third with 31 points and the game in hand. I think I'm right in saying that game in hand is against Atletico Tucumán, who mm-hmm. are fourth, also if with Sam, 31 points. Go on, then. If I can throw out just one more useless statistic. I'll let you. Uh, Racing have now surpassed their points total for the last time they won the league, which was a 19-game season. I was about to say, yeah. And they have equaled their tally in the 2001 Apertura campaign. Which was also a 19-game season. So far, as I say, they've they've only played 17. So that, yeah, that that helps. It's been a really good season. Yeah, that's useless, of course. Um, So, Boca and Atletico Tucumán, since their game in hand is against each other, it's essentially, a goal difference almost isn't going to come into it. It's essentially, they're they're level third at the moment on 31 points each. Um, those are the Copa Libertadores spots, and then in fifth in, in the Sudamericana spots are Huracan with 30, Belles in sixth with 28, River in seventh with 25, and a game in hand over Belles, uh, who of course they've just beaten, and if they won that game in hand, oh, they've already got a much better goal difference than Belles actually, so they would definitely go, go sixth if, if River were to win the game in hand. Uh, Independiente are eighth with 25 points, and Union are ninth with 24 points, only on goal difference ahead of. Aldo Civi, who are four goals away from a Copa Sudamericana spot. Aldo Civi actually have a negative goal difference. It's minus three. And Union, in ninth, currently qualified for the Copa Sudamericana, have a goal difference of zero. Um, the relegation standings, since Tony points out that Patronato are... They're still in the relegation zone, but they're climbing up. And just... Yeah, oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, yes, yeah, 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 quite right. Somebody else did. Um, <laughs> and then you said that you were happy because you were from Andrew Rios. Yes. Uh, Tigre at bottom of the relegation standings. Only team with fewer than a point, with less than a point per game. Uh, San Martín de Tucumán have exactly one point per game. 17 points from 17 matches. Belgrano have... Uh, which of these is points and which is games played? Okay, right. So Belgrano have 80 points from 74 games. Patronato have 83 points from 74 games. That's the relegation zone. And then just above it... 
San Martín de San Juan have 84 points from 74 games. So only a point ahead of Patronato. Mm. Argentinos are just above them with 1.181 games. Uh, they haven't played 74 and they play 44, so it's a bit harder to work out. And then Gimnasia have 88 points from 74 games. I think realistically now the relegation battle ends there because after Gimnasia there's a big jump to Newell's who've got 96 points. Um, Unless San Martín mm, yeah. Tucumán start winning games, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that could possibly. But even then, I don't think that Newell's are going to fall given that there are three clubs between them and the relegation yeah. zone. Yeah. Um, so, Patronato, if they can keep up the momentum that they've got at the moment, which is pretty impressive, um, then San Martín de San Juan will probably be in the relegation zone this time next week. But we will have to wait and see. And Argentinos have to look over their shoulders because they're looking flat. They've lost yeah. one of their best players. Uh, in Alexis um, McAllister uh, no sorry in Kevin McAllister Alexis is, is remaining on loan of course he is yep. um, for the rest of the season from Brighton but uh, Kevin has already gone to Boca um, so it, it's going to be interesting we, we, we've been saying for most of the first half of the season towards the you know, last half of last year we, we spent most of it saying those four clubs in the relegation zone are probably going to be the four teams that get relegated so far they haven't changed but the way that Patronato are going now you think uh, it just it could happen next week we might yeah, there, there, there might be a re- relegation time. battle yeah. after all yeah it'll be interesting to see we will be back after this short break because the cat's just climbed onto the table it's got something in her mouth that I want to get out so don't go away Okay, Sudamericano Sub-20. What's happened since we last recorded, Chicos? Adolfo Reich happened. Finally. Uh, Argentina won a game by more than one Two goal. Two games, right? <laughs> well, more, more than one goal? Yeah. One more for more than one goal, one goal and one for one goal. Yep. Which was against Colombia and Venezuela. Yes. Since we recorded. Which is, the Venezuelan one was kind of a surprise, uh, in a way. Yes. Because Venezuela was kind of the best team of the Sudamericano Sub-20 with Uruguay. And it was a little unlucky for Venezuela, but they they didn't play as well. I thought first half it was very playing. even matched, uh, very good game, and then second half Argentina just got on top. Yep, you know started playing into Gaichi. Gaichi really got on top of the the defense, and yeah, yeah. But just just to, just to give a, a little bit of 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 roundup about what is going on. Uh, there's. The, the six teams playing for for, for four, four places. places for the World Cup and three places for the uh, Panamericano. Yes. And Uruguay is first with seven. Then Argentina, Ecuador, Venezuela, Colombia, and Brazil are out for no, I thought the Panamericano was next year, though. No, it was the, it's oh, they're qualifying for it now. You they're qualifying for, for them, but they're playing at Lima in June. You're mixing oh, Panamerican games with Olympics. Yeah. That's what's happening, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so far, the, the, uh, the Colombia and Brazil are out with one point, and it's and Argentina is second. So, yes, yeah. We can just run down the standings. Uruguay have apparently already confirmed uh, the, the mathematics. Uh, yeah, of course they have. They're, they're six points ahead, two games to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uruguay are already in uh, to the World Cup. Uh, they've got seven points. Argentina and Ecuador both have six. Argentina are just ahead on 
goal difference of Ecuador in third. Venezuela are fourth um, with four points, and Colombia and Brazil, as Tony says, have a point each. And with, it, which is fair. So for mm-hmm. sorry, but yeah. it's fair that Brazil and Colombia have, are the worst team of that yes, group of six. So I, I think know from what I heard, I think that qualified is. with something to spare in, in from the first round, but so far in the in, in the final round they've been like like we really said or like we discussed before uh, recording. Uh, we were talking about Real Madrid against Barcelona for Copa del Rey, and Vinicius was playing. Mm. Uh, it sounds strange that they are, he's not for the under twenty national team. And well, well, now they he's are. He's not there because he's needed to play for Real Madrid. Yeah, but yes. also well, this Rodrigo that is going to play for Real Madrid, and it's there. And but Brazil is he have the same problem that's going around with them for a little while. There's a lot of egos. In, in their team, and they are so 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 young, mm-hmm. and and everything else that. Well, everyone's young. It's under twenties, tournament. Yeah, well, of course, but yeah. it's not the same like in Venezuela. There is uh, or, or Uruguay, more grounded in a way. Yeah, the players more identity there. Yeah. it's it's funny because we were saying precisely this about Argentina a couple of weeks ago, and now Argentina have won a few games, and it's like, yeah, no, this is yeah. fine. <laughs> uh, it's no, about problem, about Argentina, I think that uh, if Colombia, they were lucky. And in yeah. Venezuela, they ended, ended the game well. Of course, deserved the win. I don't know if 3-0. But it's important for a striker like Gaich to, to finally score. Uh, because before uh, before the, the match against Venezuela, he had a lot of opportunities. And I don't know if he was nervous or he was with a lot of pressure. I apologise if Andres's voice just got a bit quieter. The cat decided to walk between him and the microphone, but I think you could still hear him, so carry on, Andres. Uh, I don't know if he, if, whether he was nervous or, or with a lot of pressure, uh, but he couldn't finish the, the, the opportunities like the way he, he would have wanted. Mm-hmm. And against Venezuela, finally he found, found that, that accuracy and that let Argentina enjoy it uh, very well Surprising victory against Venezuela, who was appearing apparent appear like the the better or the best side yeah. of the. I, I it was the best game of the tournament for Argentina. Yeah, I mean, some stretch, but I, I uh, think part of Pedro de la Vega, a guy we've, yes. we've, yeah. we've mentioned a couple of times, was fantastic. Another yeah. guy, Moreno, I can't remember his first. Aníbal Moreno. Aníbal Moreno. Was brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it came together to him. I think a little bit of 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 Gaich, uh, going well. Uh, um, Scoring goals, it's a little bit because he feels like a pressing forward. Argentina was was many times pressing uh, ahead Venezuela in the in their own half, and that uh, gave Gage the opportunity to, to, to gain time and, and, and be quick enough to, to score. I think that was main the reason. Instead of many teams just wanting to Argentina to to attack, you know, the the waiting for Argentina yeah. in their own half. I think it was a complete game, and I think we have to mention apart from that the. Great, the great work made by the defense, mm-hmm. not not letting, especially Neuen Perez, the Argentinos, I think he was signed by Atletico Madrid. Yes. Um, not letting Hurtado, the, the Gimnasia y Esgrima de Plata guy, not moving with the ball, he was, because he's dangerous, and mm-hmm. he had yeah. been showing that uh, for Copa Argentina, and, and uh, but, but he... Uh, Gimnasia eliminated Boca from Copa Argentina with a, yeah, a yeah. goal score, yeah. scored by him. Uh, so it was very, very good that, that work. And I think it was a complete match by everyone there. One more yeah. interesting curiosity from that game. 
the Venezuela keeper, once he returns from Sudamericano duty, will be joining Racing. Yes. Carlos Olses. Ah. He's going on an 18 month loan to Racing. That, Where is that, he at the moment? Uh, uh, ah, this is what it's called. La Waida. Yes. yes. Then, uh, Racing, uh, Racing are loaning him from a Venezuelan club. Yes. Interesting. Basically, because uh, Racing have. Um, Gabriel Arias is their first choice keeper. They have Javier Garcia as the second, but their third choice keeper got injured mm. in uh, pre season. Oh, okay. So yeah. he's basically going as a third choice reserve keeper. I, I think that. Uh, as a lamp similar. No, I don't know. No, basically, to, know, to maybe, fill a gap. Like, no, but they have a reserve team, they need a keeper. They don't have a keeper, so. Maybe they want to. to and possibly. He will go on the bench if one of the other two get injured. Oh, okay. It's I, I a place you need to fill, and he seems like a. Decent enough keeper. He didn't. He wasn't his best. I think against Argentina. I think two of the goals weren't really his fault, but the first one at least he could have done better. But he just looked pretty good to be fair. I think they they want to keep an eye close to him. I was uh, reading and getting a little bit interested in the in the Russian system of scouting. They're doing yes. very well. It's so interesting. It came out last week, I think, from Delaney and Rory Smith. Mm. Yeah, did. finally, a team in Argentina is going. To do some actual stuff on scouting, they actually Rosin it's loaning a guy from Ajax. Casiera, Mateo Casiera, a Colombian uh, striker, more like second striker from a uh, winger mm-hmm. more, actually. And that one's a, a line with an option to buy rather yeah. than Olsis, which is a and, and Casiera is super interesting. I think Rosin is going doing a um, amazing job with the scouts. And um, with him, I think sorry, yeah. interrupt you. Twenty six Colombian. Players, I think there are. There has been a glut of Colombians this. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, uh, coming back to, to the sub paint, I think the problem with Argentina now is they're, they're going to play against Uruguay. Yeah, I was going to say we'll we'll round this up by giving you the remaining fixtures in the sub paint. So Argentina Uruguay is on Thursday at five thirty our time, uh, Argentine time, which is also five thirty local time because it's the same time. Chile's at the same time zone at this time of year, at least anyway. I had a feeling they were an hour behind us during yeah. our winter, right? Yeah. But, uh, for the summer, they're at the same time of year, whatever. Yes. Uh, Ecuador versus Brazil and Venezuela versus Colombia. Those are on Thursday. And then on Sunday, <coughs> excuse me, the final round of matches is Colombia versus Uruguay, Brazil versus Argentina, and Venezuela versus Ecuador. Yep. Um, also, by the way, if you have not seen the goal which um, won the game for Uruguay, uh, in their 3-2 win over Brazil uh, look it up yep. it's quite something I think yeah. it was a guy the, the guy who scored that match uh, belonged, belonged to River Pablo Garcia I think it was mm. um, but he went for free to Nacional oh. Oh, yeah. I just I just wanted to, to add that Argentina always going to be interesting because um, Argentina lost a centre-back with a, a Valverde that come back to Germany and they have just two centre-backs and one of them is suspended because he has two yellow cards so it's going to be tricky for Argentina mm-hmm. in that game yes. we'll see how it goes uh, we'll move on to Lister's questions straight away I'm going to read one out first of all from Ese Todoroki who stop that <laughs> by the way if you can hear a humming in the back I hope that you won't be able to but if you can I apologise it seems like one of my neighbours has switched their uh, laundry on or something uh, Ese Todoroki who emailed me this last week and I forgot to read it out says, should we worry about River Plate now due to recent performances or not worry much because it will eventually turn around? Um, 
in a way, it was just as well I forgot to read it out because, of course, before the podcast even went online, they had beaten Godoy Cruz 4-0. Uh, and now, although, as I said, on the stats, Vélez have more shots and more shots on target than River on Sunday, um, the consensus is that it, that it was a sort of a much improved performance from River yeah. and a very intelligent performance, if not exactly liquid football so that probably I think River Plate themselves have answered your question there essay but I apologise for not asking it last week on Twitter Nate Kubeta says what's the latest on the Chori Pan situation uh, still banned yep sadly yeah. that's it right yeah, Daniel you're article on this now right yes um, this week I'm not sure when it's going to be but the SEDEP which is the Confederation of Popular Economy Workers basically people who work in the informal uh, black kind of black market that's a bit too strong but informal economy like without r- contracts without um, the right papers which is a third of the the Argentine workforce yeah it's yeah. that kind of a chronic problem Argentina has suffered they're um, they're organising a Choli Paniada in the Obelisco would you like to explain for our, our listeners who don't speak Spanish or who don't necessarily or might speak yes. Spanish but don't speak Argentine Spanish how you would translate <laughs> Choli Paniada I think in the article I'm preparing, I used uh, the term choripan cookout, okay. which says, yeah, it's uh, basically a kind of protest slash when, march. When is this going to be? I read it as this week they were planning. This so week? Somewhere. Every day? Like, can, I, can I go and get some lunch week. tomorrow? I don't know if it happened today. I, wasn't, I haven't really been checking on the news, but if it hasn't happened yet, I'm guessing tomorrow or Friday. Because after last week's conversation, I was really in the mood for a choripan, and now I'm yeah. starting to feel like... Uh, but you have, if you happen to eat a choripan in England... Yeah. In I can confirm that in Avashaneda, choripan schools uh, are still going strong. Yeah, because, because of course Avashaneda is not in the city of Buenos Aires, right. which is the jurisdiction. And apparently, been during the research for this article, which... I'm guessing it'll be going out. Now you, where, where is, it, is it Buenos Aires Times or is it elsewhere? Dom? In the Independent. It will okay, be. so look for that. People. Yes. Um, in Avicenna, the situation is slightly different um, because they, the the mayor of Avicenna, Ferrarisi, went out and kind of struck a deal with the with the sellers of both Racing and the Independiente and, mm-hmm. and Nacional I'm guessing as well yeah sure, sure. Oh, so and as well as the setup. so this ban is nationwide I thought it no, was just in the city just in the city right what Avashinea did was go and talk to the guys who sell in the stadiums and the same as what they did with the um, Trapitos with the car parkers mm-hmm. signed them up to um, to a scheme where they register a kind of you know yeah. kind so, of Putting it in grey rather than in I black. I like that because to use the, it's, it's spe- yeah. speaking as, as somebody whose whose girlfriend has use of a car at the weekend, mm-hmm. the city would be a much less annoying place if the trapitos were registered. And <laughs> yeah, I, I get that they're trying to earn a living, but sometimes it's a little bit yeah. difficult to. So yeah. this is essentially what Setep want to happen in uh, in the city, and they say that they've been pushing for it to happen for a year, mm-hmm. but uh, they're. Their calls have got fallen on deaf ears. Up to now. Yeah, which so is, we'll see. Maybe there'll be a, a step back, but they I want think the business is too they want, too they want, juicy to to say no to. From they want to, the activity to become regular or exactly, yeah. Mm. But yeah. which is good because many of the people that sell choripans outside the stadium, they have their own stand, their own place. You know, they're the kind of territorial. Yeah, you know, these are guys. Where if, if you go to the games every two weeks, you see them. And yeah, yeah. You know exactly in the same place. Yeah, they have the same spots. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Belgrano in English says, "Do you guys want to start covering the B Nacional next season?" I don't uh, know why so you're asking that. He has. He's a hopeless guy. 
<laughs> pessimist, clearly. Yes. No, because let's, let's just look at the. Well, if uh, you live in Cordoba, if you live in Cordoba, you will you will have Fernet and Criochitos. You, you should be, be good nice, enough yeah. to, to to live and Cuarteto and Cuarteto. Yeah. 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 Perhaps not so pessimistic as I said. Yeah, they're they're, they're in the relegation zone. Mm. Yeah. Um, we we might. We we have been asked about the lower divisions as well in another question. So let's get on to those. Gustavo. Uh, one time Hand Pod team member says how did you manage to get such talented staff in love Gustavo initially and now money and also as Tony says Fernet <laughs> um, Lawrence Hart says the Argentine lower leagues have not been discussed for ages on the pod what's going on it's very good timing because just last night Atlanta won 6-1 their biggest, the first time they scored six goals since 2002. And as we know, the only thing that we ever discuss in the Argentine lower leagues is Atlanta. So um, <laughs> let's, let's take it away, Dan. What else can you say? Uh, that result leaves them very comfortable in the new four-team automatic promotion race mm-hmm. in uh, Bimetra because I believe we mentioned, or possibly mentioned, we were discussing whether we mentioned it uh, before Christmas. Now not before Christmas, mm-hmm. and the consensus was that we did mention that the B Nacional would be going to a system of two zones of 16 teams, so 32 in all, overall, mm-hmm. and most of those spots are coming from the B Metro, which uh, covers Capital, uh, Buenos Aires, and its surrounding urban area. Um, those spots and that's the division the, that Atlanta are in and that's the clarify, division yeah, Atlanta are in those four automatic spots are currently occupied by Barracas Central of Barracas from 48 points in first yes and with, with, a game in hand. with a game in hand but not a uh, game in hand with the fifth place team the Bimetria is a mess yeah. always second place Estudiantes de Buenos Aires from Caseros just outside Seven city points. limits uh, third place, I believe, is Atlanta. With 43. And if my memory serves correctly, no. fourth place is occupied by Akasusa. Akasusa with 39. And the fifth place team, who, as Dan says, Barracas have their game in hand over, uh, Riestra, who on 36 now have two games in hand, just to make everything really confusing. That's the team that have had the, uh, got the promotion, or have, have been promoted, and then had to go back to the, the Metro... Because mm-hmm. they had a lot of points yes. uh, quit uh, because of the, I think, the riots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like, if I may, Sam, to ask for updates on two of my kind of pet favourite uh, lower league teams. First, uh, Victoriano Arenas, who I believe are in the set Metropolitana and have the best stadium in all of Argentina. Okay. You want me to do this now, do you? Yes, please. I mean, I'm literally just looking I mean, just at the Just look at the table, table yeah. Uh, That's all Victoriano I'm Arenas are They're doing well in, in this Oof, God, where are they? They're in ninth, so it depends yeah. on your definition of doing well. They're in ninth out of 20th. Well, it's um, kind of a perennial bare metropolitan team, so they're... they're on, on my mobile app, it's the, the lowest of the highlighted in blue spots, but it doesn't say what the highlights in blue mean. I think it's playoffs. Dotsud are in what must be the only... Automatic promotion spot um, ahead of Deportivo Armenio only on goal difference, and then there are a bunch of other teams, including Alfredo Di Stefano's former club Midland. And um, the other one I wanted to ask for, I believe they're in the same league. Oh, go on, uh, Leandro Ene Alim. Leandro Alim. Well, they're coached by former Newcastle legend, former Claudio Canigia 
impersonator Daniel Corrone. Like oh, I, true, true. I yep. saw, I saw a video. It was amazing to see such a, a love for training with. He's one crazy bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah crazy, crazy dude. Yeah. Leandro and ALM are one position and two points above Victoriano Arenas. So there you go. Uh, Excellent. At the moment, they're both in the in the spots in the playoff spots in Victoriano Arenas' case, only on goal difference ahead of uh, Sportivo Italiano. And let's do a roundup of the B Nacional top places as well. Yeah, yeah, that's easy enough. Sarmiento occupy the only oh, automatic fuck. promotion spot. They're on no, 30 please points. Please don't let Sarmiento come back to... Well, when they you don't hear the really identities, contribute anything, do they? When you hear the identities of some of the clubs in the playoff spots, you might... Uh, I, I'm struggling to see who else in the division, really, would contribute anymore. Uh, so now this R&D a second. Ugh. Uh, Mitre de Santiago Estero a third I'm always in favour of northern teams getting in because are you down to go to visit in Santiago del Estero with the heat definitely I've watched games in Tucumán I can take Santiago del Estero Nueva Chicago are fourth both, Chicago teams, both Chicago and Mitre have 26 points and if they were to win the game in hand that they have over Arsenal they would leave fourth and into right. second I'm going for uh, Chicago and and Mitre I'm going to go for the team okay Mitre would be a new club in the Primera yeah. or in the Superliga it's a big team um, in the North like as would the teams in 5th 6th 7th 8th and 9th because in 5th are Independiente Rivadavia of Mendoza in 6th are Gimnasia de Mendoza in 7th are Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero one of the more confusing club names given their location in Argentine football there's also a Central Córdoba in Rosario Rosario yeah. yes yeah in it's because of the train and not the, exactly, the train line yes, and the, not the, the train line the yes. train line um, in eighth uh, this this episode of the podcast's local club Almagro mm-hmm. albeit they don't actually play very locally <laughs> and in ninth uh, Bichan Dalmine um, Platense are two points behind Bichan Dalmine in tenth so that's the rundown for there the lower leagues Lawrence we hope that we've satisfied you for now We'll uh, be back in six months with <laughs> <laughs> when they play when they, they're doing the playoff to see who's up. Yeah, Darren Paul says, "Why can't Carlos Alski tackle? The man is twenty-seven. And he doesn't know how to tackle. It's ridiculous. The first foul could have been a red. Uh, Alski was one of Urakan's two players sent off against Racing. He's a striker. I mean, he was well, a striker, and I think he was just striker, pissed off because right. Racing were three-one up and yeah. just started knocking the ball around, doing the old ole ole thing, exactly. which really gets." People are annoyed, and if you don't know how to tackle in the first place, yeah, yeah, you're Na- liable to get sent off. Nacho Tierno says, "Guys, what are your predictions for Sunday's match, River versus Racing?" Nacho's another guy from Racing in English. Indeed, oh, uh, actually, we should congratulate both of them because they have become uh, Racing uh, official Racing club's most recent filial. Yes, um, yeah, well, well done. Official uh, supporters are, club. Are now yes. the official supporters club in London. So, if you're a Racing guys. fan and you're based in London. Get in touch with Darren or Nacho and find out um, nice. which bars they're meeting up in. I get the impression that they're just sitting in their living rooms watching on streams. Well, I think um, Darren lives in Wales and Nacho in London, so yeah, can't see him meeting up that. No, much. no I'm thinking <laughs> on to I don't know Brighton, like trying to both do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> and what are our answers? I I think my my thing with with River Racing is that historically speaking it's always safest to bet on a river win yeah. even like regardless of the form of either side coming yeah. into it but there have been a few wins for Racing in the Monumental in recent years mm-hmm. loss um, in 2017 I believe it was 3-2 yes thanks to two goals from Lautaro Martinez right, yeah. yes and I've seen I've seen two or three since I've been here and that's 10 9 10 years 
So that's a third of games, at yeah. least. On the assumption that River are going to take it seriously, because it's a big game, um, I think it could be a, a really good game. Yeah, and probably... The, it's going to be sure one of... Like yeah. It's going to be the, probably the last if, chance to push... If River do yeah. what they have done for the last three home games and field a reserve side, then Racing will win it at a counter. But yeah. Yeah. No, they can't, sure. Or, or, that wouldn't be a very Racing thing to do, I admit, but still... Yeah. Um, it's, an, it's an annoying one for Racing as well because uh, midweek they have the first leg of the Sudamericano against yeah. oh, okay. Corinthians, which is not a walk in the park either, yep. even yep. just by the name. My prediction is depending on the hour, I'm going to drink mate and enjoy it or drink beer and enjoy it. Well, we'll tell you what time. I'm going to drink whiskey, smoke crack, maybe inject a bit mates and facturas and enjoy it. The rest is negotiable. I'm going to sit cipher. We're not going to do predictions? Oh, okay. Oh. I, I, yeah, I sort of had already uh, refused to make mine. Oh. I'll be making mine in a minute. I was just going to sit so firmly on the fence, I'm probably going to get stuck and say a one or draw. <laughs> Andres? I think River will win. Oh, so much peace in this, in this episode. Uh, I think Russell's going to win. And for mine, as I say, you'll have to wait a few minutes and listen to Mystic Sam at the end of the podcast. Jamie says, if... Racing were to slip up and Defensa y Justicia were to win the Superliga, where would that achievement sit in the list of football's biggest outsider wins in comparison to, say, Leicester 2016, Montpellier 2012, Hellas Verona 1985 and other such triumphs? I'm going to say something, and I don't want Sam to get angry. Oh, because <laughs> this is a particular bugbear of his fascinated that I've as seen. To, as to why I should get angry, but go on. The last team outside of the Big Five to win a long tournament okay and we're it's talking long, long uh, this is why a, is we're talking long as in a single tournament, a single tournament a across the year okay. rather than two halves yeah, it's, it okay. doesn't matter though it's the same it thing. was Newell's in 1988-89 possibly if yeah, I remember right yeah that's right because River won in 89-90 if I remember right yeah and then and yeah. Bok- I only saw I can't I wouldn't be able to go no, no, into that, the that details. Was, that was the 1991, oh, yes. which was the two short championships yes. where yeah. they crowned one champion and they got them to play. When Laurel Batista and Diego Latorre weren't able to play because they weren't with the Copa America. Yeah, they didn't so, yeah. 91 was basically the point was. is, with this format, although it's not really the format, and I'm trying to keep Sam sane because I see smoke bellowing out of his no, ears, even just, with uh, it's a short championship, the headphones. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else um, to do. To it's answer, difficult for a small team to win. Like. <laughs> yeah. To answer Jamie, I don't think it's going to be comparable in, in, in some ways because Leicester, they have quality owners and they have Claudio Ranieri as when they were champions. Um, yeah, I mean, Leicester had a lot of hurdles to clear when they I mean yeah. that was an astonishing story and I don't think that it, it was, was. compare with anything that could happen in Argentina because Indeed. You know, in the last, in the time that Dan and I have been following Argentine football, Banfield have won the league, Lanús have won the league, Arsenal de Sarandí have won the league, indeed, albeit indeed. with a lot of help from the person who was president. Of the I think Arsenal. what we can say in this you situation know. is that um, I think Leicester won the league, obviously on their own merits, but because yeah. the teams around them were not as good as they should have been, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys, Lanús, Arsenal. Uh, other teams who have won the league in recent years, especially with uh, the, the split apertura clausura format, uh, won the league because Boca and River were shit in that. Yeah, yeah, uh, and there were other circumstances, yeah. especially about, for example, Anus. Yeah, they have good a, a good youngsters or 
or I don't know for for give you a, a, a yeah. more grounded example news they have been bested a lot I mean when yeah. they have short short terms uh, tournaments there's not only good football or if you have a good season yeah. there's a lot of no in exactly. the middle my, yeah my point is if Defensive Justicia win this championship uh, on the form that they've showed before mm-hmm. it's because they've been really fucking good yeah they haven't lost a single game uh, in 17 and that is really really good and you've just reminded me actually of a, no, no it absolutely is uh, and you've just reminded me of a stat that, that got thrown about on Friday evening after they, they won their game they are currently on their second they're two games away from their longest ever and they're currently on their second longest ever um, run unbeaten in competitive matches no mm-hmm. sorry in league matches um, and the other three of their four longest ever such in runs were all in the Primera C which mm-hmm. is the fourth division, previously um, third, we should say. Yes. When? Yeah, were, you're, yeah, good point. It might have been the third one for at least one of those runs, but I think the the others were like in the two thousands or something. Right. So it's it's you know, it's really impressive, undoubtedly. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of worldwide historical significance, the fact that it happens in Argentina, which is a much more um, a league that gets shared around a lot more, let's say, um, yeah. and and is much less stable and, and where one club struggles to dominate today. I think it does take something away. Is this from an it. injury? Well, currently, the Dams just decided to comment on something that's on the television that you can't see. We'll clarify them. Botafogo versus Defensa Justicia is on the television in the Copa Sudamericana at the moment. Uh, and it's being played. Ciro Rios has just gone down and looks like he's really hurt his knee. But it's being played in absolutely torrential rain in Rio de Janeiro. Um, Andres, oh, that's you, Andres. Sorry, that's not a question. That's just a discussion about how good I am at pouring Fernet. Yeah. Um, Nick Turner <laughs> you are, you are. says, you are. You are. You're very good, actually. I still struggle to really understand why that's a compliment when it's just put some ice in a glass, pour some Fernet, and then pour some. But you, you can see my glass right now. But. Um, one day I'm going to do a video tutorial for <laughs> Patreon subscribers or, or on YouTube or something as a, as a promotional thing for the podcast. I keep meaning to do it and then not do it. Nick Turner says, Is Sebastián Becasese, Tokyo Defensive Justicia, destined for big things either in or outside Argentina in the near future? I think so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's got the name from I mean, worked so many years with San Paoli and kind of bigger jobs, let's say... Uh, a name yeah, which is arguably tarnished from that point of view now, though, right? Yeah. No, I don't think so. But I think that if, if he can... Um, I think if any team's going to judge Sampoli on just what happened with Argentina in such adverse conditions, then they're fools, right? And but even more so, Becasese. I see him... Yes, I see him... Uh, Let's not forget that Scaloni, who got his hmm. breakthrough with, uh, with Sampoli and Sevilla because... Scaloni's dad went up to San Paoli and then Asal and said, Hey, you want to give my son a job? Now he's the Argentina coach. Let's Actually, say that, you know, the road to success is, is fairly flat, I guess. And it's paved with. I see him as the coach of Independiente, whether Holland finally. I know. Yeah. If, is that I, just because Ariel Alam went from Defensive Justicia to Independiente, or is it because there's there some could be a change, a shift there? But then Coco went from Defensive Justicia to Arras. Yeah, so yes, but which is the, yeah. the with this this uh, thing of the players not very being very well with him and Independiente is and right now he's not playing very well. If this is further mm. gets further and and finally Holland gets out of Independiente, I see him there. A Picachese. Yeah. Perhaps uh, uh, as a shift, or San Lorenzo. Do we know who he supports? 
Or who no, because no. he didn't have much of a player as a, a, a career as a player, did he? Really? No, no. Because no. one of the things I was going to say was I, I find it very, very easy to see him as a future manager of a big five club in Argentina. But but it's quite difficult for any managers to make the jump from that to a European career. It's something that Marcelo Gallardo will probably mm. do at some point. But that's in no small part because Marcelo Gallardo played for Monaco. Exactly, and has yeah. such strong links with at least one club um, in Europe. And, you know, that's the club that people sort of talk about quite frequently is, oh, well, maybe Monaco or another French club might be interested yeah. in because they're aware of him mm-hmm. as a person. Whereas for somebody like Becca Cece, who doesn't really have any kind of... Nobody's ever heard of him if he weren't for his current work. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a lot harder then to, to make the leap and to, to become a manager in Europe. I know that obviously Mauricio Pochettino's done it and, and, and a few other names, but he's got the context in Spain, I'm guessing, from Samut Sevilla. Right, which, yeah, but which I, is an influence, you know. For, for these things, it's not. But in terms of the media exposure that you maybe need to get talked about for the jobs in the first place, yeah. it's yeah. not, not going to happen. But I, I think Valencia, that surely the Valencia job will come along. <laughs> I, at I, some hope, point. I hope because it doesn't. Or Real or these clubs, you know, just true. Yeah, I hope because it doesn't doesn't get a, a big club because for some reason he ways of working and the players he likes to to play with uh, in her in his system. Uh, I don't think he's, in a way, a good fit for a big club because he doesn't like do egos. You, think, you know? Do you think that might? Ch- well, it, but is it not liking egos, or is it do you, do, that, that you think he maybe struggles to deal with them? And if maybe. it's the latter, could that change if he won a league title and suddenly then if he walks into any club, they're like, right, this guy's actually won a title with defending Odisia, so maybe he's worth playing. Well, it's, it's a it's a good question. If 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 he doesn't like it, or if he doesn't. Know how to work with with egos or and, and big clubs and the, the, the they work with San Paoli. That's a fairly big. Ego. <laughs> you have to look Alfaro. Oh. <laughs> he was the champion champion with Arsenal, mm. and, and now he's the coach of Boca. It does has not nothing yeah, like to 10 do. Years later or something. Yeah, of course, it in the middle was San Lorenzo. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. But you never know. Uh, perhaps not now, uh, but uh, in some years time, he can get the chance for for a, a bigger club. Uh, I for example San Lorenzo, he they they can score uh, home, and they play well we can say, but they fi- they can find the way to to, to, to score. score yeah. mm. uh, and if this continues like like that, uh, I don't I don't see Almiron further uh, uh, or or in the uh, next season. Yeah. That could be a spot for Mikacete, independent uh, depending on how. Uh, it ends for for defensa justicia. Of course, if, yeah. if they are the champions of the Superliga, that would be much closer for him. Indeed, uh, Arch Bell says, "Why all the nil-nil draws last weekend?" I, I think that we kind of hit on this really after I did Mystic Sam last week. We it's a lot of crap teams. Loads yeah. of those are just unappealing matches that are like two quite bad teams playing each other. I think that's why more than anything. Yep. Oscar Per Mulder says, "Is Fernando Gago rescinding his contract? The best reinforcement for Boca." Paying well over a million dollars a year to someone who's injured for 11 months of the year makes no sense. Well, if Boca play... F- it's academic now, right? Because the transfer window's closed and they're not going to be able to reinvest that first, salary. Until first, that. June, and didn't know what... No it's not like they need to reinvest. I mean, it's money that... They can use? That they were spending on absolutely nothing before. So I can see Oscar's point. Like, oh, that makes sense. I, mean, yeah. I don't necessarily literally agree with the question, but... I, I can see why he says it. I, I, Fernando Gago seems like a nice enough guy. Yeah. When he got injured during the Libertadores final, I felt tremendously sorry for him at the same time as laughing my ass off at the manager 
He not at Fernando Gago, but at the manager, for the same reason that I did it every other time he got injured in big matches, whether it was for Argentina or for Boca, because why would you play him in those matches when you know there's a reasonable chance he's going to go on the pitch and break down 10 minutes later? Yep. Yep. You know, I mean, I'd, uh, there's, there's probably no footballer in world football who I feel more sorry for, because in terms of the talent that he had, oh, yeah, he, he could have been, it, if he'd been able to stay fit for 10 minutes, he could have been one of the great central midfielders of his generation. Well, just think, in 2014, well, when you know, he stayed fit for an entire World Cup campaign, yeah. he helped Argentina get to the final, and that Argentina team has never looked as good as when it had a fit, informed goal. Hmm. Yeah. He's a player that if he's in, like, in peak condition, he's an asset, but the it's thing just is, so difficult. The thing is, if he's okay with that, uh, Gago, because he could be like Alfaro when he became the manager or the coach of Boca, uh, um, he was being like, uh, well, uh, mm, the Huracan supporters were like uh, disturbed by this, and he went to the press conference with a, like a paper saying that he has the right to work, uh, and, and Gago could do the same because he's a worker, of course, injured. Uh, I know if he's okay with that or no. Nah, but the reports are that they've he's reached okay. a preliminary agreement, and that probably tomorrow or or before the weekend they will they will announce this. Yeah. The next move for Gago, I don't know what it would be. Retirement. Yeah, probably retirement. I mean, yeah. or, or, or Qatar or Saudi Arabia. Before before uh, we wrap up. I want to mention that today is, um, for some reason, uh, I don't understand why today, but it's uh, the not for for every uh, listener from the United States, it's National Women's Day in sports. So a bit shout out to to women that are trying to find this way to to do some some uh, career in sports in any way because yeah. it's difficult. So but, um, if there's any woman listening. Uh, Good date here, I suppose. Yes. It's just a little bit chill out because I know it's super difficult to get into sports, especially in, in, in football right now. Yeah. To, to women. It is. Uh, on that note, we're going to go away and Mystic Sam will be back in a second. I have a challenger this week. Mystic Lee has written in. Um, if you want to challenge me, then you know, tweet in or, or email in. Uh, Lee has done so for this week, so don't go away. Okay, here are Mystic Sam's predictions for this weekend. Are Mystic Lee's predictions. Tigre versus Banfield <laughs> is a hell of a way to begin the week. End. And I'm going to go for a Banfield win there. Lee, interestingly, reckons Tigre are going to win it. Okay. Huracan versus Belles. Lee says is an Huracan win. I think that looks like a draw to me. Um, Lanús versus Gimnasia. Lee says draw. I think... Yeah, I think a draw looks right as well, actually. Estudiantes versus Patronato. Lee reckons Estudiantes are going to win it. <laughs> I mean, I can't quite believe How I'm can saying you bet against the great Patronato, the, the putting, team of our generation. I am putting all my eggs in the Patronato basket. I'm going to. I'm going to. You are on the bandwagon. You are on the Patronato bandwagon. I genuinely can't believe I'm saying it. Independiente versus Union. We're both going for home wins in that one. 
Um, Atletico Tucumán versus Tacheres. Lisa's draw. That one is an interesting one given their recent form. Uh, I could finish in any way. Yeah, I'm going to go for an Atletico Tucumán win, personally. Mm. Okay. Uh, Colón versus San Lorenzo de Almagro. Lisa's a Colón victory. I think draw. Julio's going to get a hat trick on that one. You watch. Neil's <laughs> Old Boys versus Rosario Central. I wouldn't say How anything about that. We managed to miss yeah. the Rosario Clásico. Uh, Lee reckons that's a Newell's win. Mm, I'm cool. going for a Newell's win as well, actually. Okay. Uh, Godoy Cruz versus San Martín de Tucumán. Lee says San Martín de Tucumán will win it. I think Godoy Cruz will win it. I think they're going to manage to score goals at last. Uh, River versus Racing. Lee says Racing win. Good man. I'm going to go for a River win. Sorry, <laughs> Uh... Belgrano versus Boca Juniors. Lee says draw. I think Boca are going to win it. Uh, Defensa Justicia versus Argentinos. Lee says Defensa Justicia will win it. I am going to have Defensa Justicia going joint top with Racing. I think they'll win it as well. And Aldo Civi versus San Martin de San Juan. Lee says it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be a draw. I so say we'll avoid it. I think we've got... <laughs> I agree with them a few times, but I think we've got probably eight or nine different predictions there so that should be so interesting made for an interesting match yeah. I think Lanús will win I don't, I don't remember the rival but Pepe San now we keep Lanús are at home to Gimnasia La Plata yeah. yes. well, I'm assuming they they're at home I'm assuming here that Lee has written down the, the teams in the right order for some reason uh, I think Boca's going to lose against Belgrano I think okay. I think I think that the, the, the local force of Cordoba is going to do something <laughs> for some see. reason we shall see um, we're going to go now we will uh, if you're by the time you're listening to this, if you continue to listen after the full-time music, I'll give you the full-time scores from Botafogo versus Defensa Justicia in the Copa Sudamericana, and from Tacheres against who are Tacheres playing in the Libertadores? San Paulo. Against San Paulo um, in the Copa Libertadores, which is also just kicked off. But we're, we're not watching it because it doesn't involve Defensa Justicia. Um, so for now, thank you very much. Of course, if you're a Handapod Extra listener, then you're going to get an Handapod Extra episode as well, which we're about to record. Um, but for now, from Hand of Pod, uh, for Hand of Pod Normal, Hand of Pod Commun, let's say. Um, thank you very much for another uh, like cigarettes, um, week of your support. And good night from English Town. Goodbye. From Andres. Goodbye. Tony. Goodbye. And me. Goodbye. Full-time scores um, from the two continental matches. Tacheres beat San Paolo 2-0 in Córdoba with goals from Juan Ramírez and Tomás Pochettino in the second half. And Defensa Justicia away to Botafogo was goalless until 13 seconds from the end of the match when Eric um, scored an absolute blinder to make it 1-0 to Botafogo in the driving range.